Hey, Evan. Hey, Scott. You look surprised. That was loud. Oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I can barely hear myself. That's all right. Maybe it's just my headphones. You let us yeah. know at home because you're listening to Backstage with the Simple Church Podcast. Are they, though? We never hear from them. Oh, you're a little salty mm. about that today. We want to hear from you. Never heard from it. to the rule. Okay, we hear from some. Yes. We hear from two people. The more the merrier. We had 3,000 downloads yesterday. I'm kidding. I don't know how many downloads we had. <laughs> Scott, we've been talking about worship, what it is, why we think that sometimes the church misses the mark when it comes to music and what worship is. And today is a little bit different. Probably not what you're expecting. When you think worship, you think amputee, Scott. You think prosthetic legs. I do all the time. That's right. <laughs> so Steve and his wife, Kim, and employee Raul are here today to talk about how they Very do fascinating. good. That's right. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, who knew? Not me. And I didn't know there were so many amputees. That's right. You'll find There's out. There's a lot. All the animals. Locally. Excuse me. Locally. I should say that locally. Regionally. Regionally. Yeah. Locally, regional. Same thing. What would be the regional area? Texarkana to here to Natchitoches, maybe? I think so. Maybe into Mississippi. Maybe into Mississippi. <laughs> anyway, a lot. That's right. So thanks for downloading. Enjoy this conversation. Subscribe so you get each week of the Backstage with the Simple Church podcast delivered right wherever you listen to podcasts. I was going to say right to your door, and I'm like, wait, that's not No, that's it. Do you have things delivered to your door that, like, the mail, uh, not the mail, like the newspaper or... No. No, me neither. No, I'm I'm not that old. (laughs) My grandfather still has the paper delivered. A physical paper. A physical paper. There you go. Dallas Morning News. Nice. There you go. There you go. Make sure you give us a five-star review wherever you listen, and thanks for downloading. All right, we are here with three guests, Scott. Woohoo! A full house today at the Backstage with the Simple Church podcast. Let's go oldest to youngest, maybe. And oldest go to youngest? And introduce wow. yourself and yeah. tell us who you are and what you do. Okay, so I'm Steve Lindsley, and my wife and I have a couple of prosthetic and orthotic practices. And uh, so we make legs uh, in braces. And we enjoy. <laughs> you like how you said that? I just like I was just so nonchalant. Well, we make legs. You know, <laughs> like that's everyday thing. <laughs> oh yeah, we just make legs. Yep, that's what we do. And uh, so we try to teach the patients how to use them. Uh, our Monroe office is called Hope, and it's based on Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. We try to share that hope with our patients, and uh, we like the idea of helping the patients to reach their goals. So uh, the hope symbol has a man reaching up to the sky, and uh, we try to help them to reach their God-given potential or be restored to what they were doing before limb loss. So do you only do legs, or do you do... Legs and arms. Raul's done a lot of arms lately. That's right. Really good at it. We're going to get to him in a minute, but let's get your better half there. Introduce yourself. Tell us who you are. Uh, Yeah, I'm Kim Lindsley, and um, I'm basically support staff for Steve, marketer, Janitor some days, <laughs> a little bit of everything. Whatever you need. And how long have y'all been married? Um, we've been married 26 years now. Wow. Nice. Congratulations. And then how long have y'all been working together? We've actually been working together since 2006. Okay. So there you go. Y'all survived being coworkers. Yes, we have. <laughs> That's awesome. And then you mentioned Raul is over here. Raul, tell us about you and what you do at the company, man. Yeah, definitely. So my name is Raul Ramos. Um, I'm the current resident at both facilities. So my residency is about 18 months. I met Steve through uh, one of the guys that I, that was my mentee. That's also his son. And so, uh, you know, ended up in Louisiana. I was on my way back to Texas and I got stuck here. But uh, I understand. Where in Texas? Houston. Houston. All right. But uh, there's, Scott lived down there for a while. I 
don't like Houston. <laughs> <laughs> I lived there for four years. <laughs> you haven't been to the right part. Oh, there you I go. Lived, I lived in Greens Point, a.k.a. Guns Point. Yeah. See? Um, not the good that's part. That's probably not yeah. the right part. <laughs> I was going sense. to school. That's awesome. So it's a residency, I think, medical yeah, school. Like, so like, how did you yeah, get into like, this? What, do you, what are you residency for? Yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, I graduated with my master's uh, in May. And uh, one of the requirements before I can take my exam is that I have to work for a clinic for either 18 months or two blocks of 12 months. I chose 18 months because I get bored easily. <laughs> uh, 18 months, I get to see prosthetics and orthotics. What was your master's in? Yeah. Prosthetics and orthotics. Okay. Yep. There you go. And where'd you go to school? Alabama State. All right. Oh. So, like you like you have a master's in making them? Yeah. Or? A master leg maker. Master leg <laughs> wow. maker. That's what I'm trying to get. <laughs> <laughs> But no, they had that. Yeah. uh, So actually, I'm sure it'll come up eventually in conversation. But so the field transitioned severely from when Steve used to do it and a lot of other people used to do it. Oh, yeah. Before it was kind of like you would do an apprenticeship, go through it, and you would learn through hands-on experience. Then they realized, hey, we're actually really medical in the things we do. And we're doing a Hmm. lot of things that medical professionals the medical profession is doing. So they said, let's get these kids educated. And so now you have to go through a formal program, do your residency, <laughs> take a bunch of exams, pay a lot of money. And yeah. Then- <laughs> <laughs> they get you that way, huh? Yep. And then graduate. Yeah. So Steve, let's go back to you. How did you get started in this business? What got you here? Go and walk us back of why are you doing what you do? Okay. So I had uh, interest in being a therapist. And had someone introduce me to the field of prosthetics and orthotics. Like a physical therapist, yeah. not a Physi- psychological yeah, therapist. Yeah, not a counselor, <laughs> that's right. And uh, so anyway, my dad was a tool and die maker. So huh. I worked when I wanted to earn spending money, I worked for him. And uh, it, so I had some decent hand skills. And uh, then uh, the the combination of therapy and being able to make things that help people uh, was appealing to me. So uh, after viewing it, I was actually teaching school when I was exposed to the field. What'd you teach? Uh, third grade, uh, actually up to seventh grade. Really? So, yeah. It sounds like a nightmare. It was challenging. <laughs> Scott's yeah. single, no kids. <laughs> Let's keep it that way. So, so I had <laughs> just come off active duty. I was uh, the detachment commander in Stuttgart, Germany okay. for a military police company. So uh, I was used to telling someone what to do and having them do it. And third graders weren't, huh? Your wife wife rolled her eyes on that. (laughs) I had the same experience at home. I mean, not with my wife. Yeah, yeah. With (laughs) the boys just trying to, you know, get back acclimated to being a parent and a father and... Uh, it was it was a lot of things that I thought I knew that I didn't know. In fact, at one time I thought I was going into marriage and family therapy, and that I was going to be a counselor. Again, wow. I love that. Yeah, you your, wife your wife's like, face, no. but she's making some no, faces. Absolutely, no. she's rolling her eyes. I'm sure because I didn't know what I didn't know. That's right. And how many kids do you have? Uh, well, we've got three, and we've been very instrumental in raising one more. Awesome. So yeah, cool. There you go. And grandbabies too now. So. So I heard Robin mentioned that we said we have to ask you about Saddam Hussein and a crazy story of where you ended up. So let's walk through. How did you get to that point and then tell us what happened? So again, with those that same MP battalion, I was deployed to Iraq. And uh, while there, uh, we saw a lot of uh, folks that had lost limbs. Go yeah. figure, you know, war-torn country. Uh, and uh, 
one of the other guys, a guy from Florida that I had met, uh, had been asking if there was anybody who could help him do something to help these patients. And uh, he was he actually had owned a central fab company, so that's somebody who makes the prosthesis, does not interact with the patient, and doesn't fit a prosthesis. Hmm. So uh, mine was more clinical, but I did have fab skills. Just his were better. He'd owned a CFAB for ten years, so absolutely. Scott is our closest person around here that we have for, and I'm terrible at it. <laughs> Being a handyman. Okay, so we we uh, decided we were going to help. I was getting ready to come back for. I think it's uh, 10 days of leave. Is that right, darling? Yep, that's 10 days. And so I mentioned it to Kim about two weeks before I came back. When I got back, they sent me uh, back into Iraq after my leave with components so we could make legs for two people that we had seen on the street. And this is before you were doing it professionally? Uh, I No, I was, a, I was a practitioner. Okay. But... When I was deployed, of course, anybody that's in the reserves, when you deployed, you you stop doing what you were doing, right. and you do what Uncle Sam tells you to do. That's right. <laughs> yeah, so I have a little bit to add. Absolutely. So this is the way Steve explained it to me, and it's military. Jargon. Yeah, absolutely. So Steve said he was the logistics officer at that time, and they had a friendly run a checkpoint, and his guy shot him up. So at that time, this particular friendly became a below-the-knee amputee due to that. Mm. And so that's when Steve really jumped in and said, you know, to his superiors, can I do something? So you volunteered? Yes. Uh, yes, we, we did. But it, it was not just me. It was sure. Chris and I. And uh, anyway, we, we ended up uh, taking care of those two. And then uh, before long... Uh, there were two different Fulberg colonels fighting for our time, and there was a waiting list of people who needed help. Hmm. Uh, so before I left, we had made 92 limbs. Wow. And that was after hours. And where were you making them? In the basement of Saddam's palace. And yes, we did use his pizza oven to heat the plastics wow. to make the diagnostic sockets. Was it a nice oven? <laughs> It actually was. It was top-notch. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It had some money to spend on it. So you're in Saddam Hussein's palace <laughs> making... Was it a limbs. nice palace, too? I just... It had, somebody's going to ask. It had yeah. gold inlays everywhere, but wow. we had hit it multiple times with the J-Dams. So uh, when I was there, that. it had been shored up with three-quarter-inch plywood, and it was it was not... Hmm. It looked like Houston. Yeah. Yeah. yeah <laughs> looked like my neighborhood. <laughs> wow. So you do 92 limbs. Is it for... Military personnel, is it for locals? Is it just a mix? Who were you making these limbs for? Whoever went through the uh, Coalition Provisional Authority and asked, we would do it. And uh, actually, we made 30 or so for uh, some Iranians that were hmm. in Iraq. Uh, Saddam had, had let them leave Iran, come to Iraq, and they had pledged to support uh, Iraq if there was a conflict between Iraq and Iran. So they actually had tanks and stuff like that. So when our guys were doing the initial assault on Iraq, we thought they were combatants. Yeah. They never raised arms against us, but we thought they were. And uh, we hit them. Caused a lot of amputations. And uh, so the, the big bosses sent me in to, to make legs for those guys. Patch things up a little. Yeah. yeah that's <laughs> Oh, poor guys, <laughs> just hanging out and yeesh, wrong place, wrong time. So how long were you deployed in total? 
that deployment was 14 months and two days. Mm, wow. To be exact. It was a long deployment. Absolutely. And so you guys have businesses here now. You have one in Monroe, one in Treeport. Correct. And then be able to go and just talk about a little bit of how that company got started and what you do there. Uh, so the Shreveport office has been here for 45 years. Okay. And uh, we ended up buying it after the owner died. We were approached and asked to purchase it. Hmm. The Monroe office, we started from scratch. And uh, we, uh, let's see, Kim and I have, have practiced together. Or she, she does everything but the patient care. But uh, she's the one that, that... And when you decided to start the business, Kim, were you like, I'm in, I want to do this with you? Or you're like, you kind of came kicking and screaming and... Well, actually, when we moved um, to Monroe, um, I had lived in Mississippi and uh, worked for my parents for about 33 years. Oh, wow. And Steve brought me over here. And, of course, we knew exactly, I did, once we got over here, something was going to happen like that. Mm. But um, I had become a stay-at-home mom for about six years at this point while he was deployed and, and then on adjustment coming back. And he asked me one day about this. He said, if I can make prosthetics with mortars going off over my head in the conditions that we did there, I can do it here. And I can do anything. And uh, he convinced me at that point, let's do this. And so after being at home for six years with three crit, I was like, let's <laughs> we start tomorrow? Anything to get out of this yeah. house. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So going back, what? was it that drew you to that amputee part? Did you know somebody growing up? Did you have a family member? Or was it really just that just kind of fell in and it matched up what you were talking about, building things and helping people? Sure, yeah. I absolutely had no exposure to prosthetics. Hmm. And, uh, but when I saw what they were doing, this was over in Mississippi, Mississippi Methodist Rehab Hospital. But when I saw what they were doing over there, I liked it. I liked being able to apply hand skills and fit a patient and see them productive and uh, see it benefit their life. So Yeah, and I bet your dad, being a fabricator, right, is yes. doing that. Never really thought it would be a medical application to it, right? He's thinking metal work and doing other things, and then you just right. kind of merge those two things and met a need. Yep. And he's he is proud of what we do, and he's come in quite a few times. He's actually given me advice about certain things with machinery, so... He's he's got immense uh, knowledge, but he deals with micrometers. I don't ours are not quite that. I have no idea what a micrometer is. So. I do. What's a micrometer, Scott? Well, you have inside and outside micrometer. Yep. That does what? <laughs> well, they <laughs> they me- they Imagine. the simplest way I can put they're measuring devices, okay. but in micro dimensions. There you go. Yeah. Is that right? Very precise. Yep. All right. Perfect. Good job. You use them in engine building. (laughs) Ah, there we go. So what I liked about Iraq was there was absolutely no need to file insurance. There was no need (laughs) to deal with the bureaucracy. Right. It was just take care of the patients. Directly to them. Yep. So the things that I'm not as strong at are is those dealing with insurance companies, Mm. um, gathering the necessary documentation. My wife's very good at that. So we make a good team. That's a She's great team. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So you probably won't get this reference. No offense. I don't know if you've seen the movie <laughs> The Incredibles. 
but Raul, are you okay? All right. So if you remember, he works for an insurance guy. Judgy. Real little. I apologize. (laughs) But he's that little insurance. And that's how I picture all insurance companies that deny everything, are very hard to work (laughs) with, just angry little people. If you're an insurance, you can email us and tell us and prove us wrong. No one's going to email us. That's right. So I get that that could be frustrating. So Raul, back to you. What got you to kind of choose that Yes, because that's what I want to know. What made Raul go, hey, I want to build legs. Because you weren't in Iraq, I'm assuming. I was not. Did not go a military route? I did not. So you were here in kind of a different side of things. What drew you to this part of it? Technically, he was in Texas. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, well, it it starts off in Texas. You know, I was down there with my family. I I grew up with just my mom. And uh, everybody else outside of my mom, they're all in the medical field. Yeah. Uh, they all went back to Mexico, and they do very well for themselves down there. And so that was the plan. Where in Mexico? In close to Guerrero. Okay. Yeah. Close to where? Guerrero. It's like never heard of it. I was just gonna go with it. Far, far from Mexico City, <laughs> probably like an hour away. Okay. Oh, that's I know that's City. like yeah. man, that's down in Mexico. Yep. So we partner with a uh, education center. Yeah, Amiga Field out of Juarez. Juarez. Okay. So we yeah. take but a trip to Juarez twice a year. I mean, right on the border. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Not far. Yeah. The the deepest we get now. We we I have gone to like Casas Grandes and uh, played not played a Karma. Um, Playa de Mujeres. No, it's where they make the pottery. It's famous for the pottery. Mato Ortiz. That's what it was. Mato Ortiz. Yeah. That's the furthest south we've gone, but that's like. That's in the state of Chihuahua, and I think it was like four hours south of Juarez. So I went to Cancun on my honeymoon. That's oh, also so the extent. So you saw it pretty. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> but anyway, so you had yeah. family in the medical field. So that was the plan. My family, I think they had a lot of uh, investment in me going into medical and staying in the U.S. I decided I was better with my hands. So without telling anybody, I went into engineering last minute. Uh, so <laughs> Bold choice. Yep. So I, I worked as a biomedical engineer for a few years up in New York. Loved it. Loved working with my hands. That's awesome. What were you working on? Uh, we I actu- can't tell you. <laughs> the military <laughs> secret. We actually worked on a device that was trying to detect cancer in live tissue in the esophagus. So oh, I was wow. I was doing the R and D for that uh, project lead, and you know it went well, it was successful. Uh, you know, conflict of interest, and you know I decided I took a step back, and I was like, hey, let me reevaluate what I want to do. And I remember being a little kid, always joking around, saying, one day I want to build legs, and I'll make it a field if it's not a field. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was just sitting there with options, and I looked into it finally, applied to school the week the application was due. And you ended up at Alabama State? <laughs> yeah, so there's only, when I applied, there was 13 schools in the whole U.S., and each mm-hmm. school takes about 10 students, with the exception for two or three that take about one takes 20 and one takes about 40 students. That's a pretty competitive field, yeah. Yeah, and so I honestly applied. So I worked as a teacher during my gap year. We all have that in common. Yep. yep. <laughs> my uh, <laughs> principal that I was working for was my principal when I was a middle school student and a high school student. How cool. And uh, he knew that I wanted to go into OMP school. And uh, he was kind of giving me a job while I figured out what I needed to do. I loved it. And he told me, hey, I'm being relocated. You have six months to apply to school or I'm going to let you go. And he kind of explained it to me in the sense like I poured a lot into you. And I think if you don't pursue this, you're selling yourself short. He was pushing you at the nest. Yep. And so (laughs) the week my application was due for Alabama was the week that I applied. And the following week, actually the next day, I called the school and they're like, hey, we have an open house if you want to come up. So I drove from Houston that next day to make it to the open house met my professors, and then the following week I was admitted into the program. 
So wow. where is Alabama State University? In Montgomery. In Montgomery. Okay. I was just curious. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know either. I didn't know. But, I mean, I love it. I think uh, it's a good blend of people that want to work with their hands and they want to work with patients. Uh, we do have to deal with insurance, but I don't think it's to the degree that doctors have to deal with it and stuff like sure. that. And uh, at the same time, you kind of get to see the benefits of your work. So physically, we work on the patient's legs. We make it ourselves. We come up with the treatment plan. And it's awesome to see somebody that hasn't walked. In a yeah, there's an life. end result. Yep. Yeah, you get to see it happen. So it's super rewarding. I love it. That's awesome, man. So biomedical engineer in New York to teacher back in Texas yep. to Alabama like I, to here. Yep. That's quite a journey. It is a journey, yeah. but I think uh, it's supposed to happen that way. Like I mentioned briefly, uh, when I went to Alabama, I never thought that I'd be happy there. Hmm. And uh, I ended up meeting one of Steve's sons, and he got paired up by chance. I was his mentor. He was Oh, nothing's by chance. <laughs> and, uh, Come on, Raul. So <laughs> I knew that uh, what I struggled with when I went into school because of the transition. So my focus was my mentee is going to be the best one, and I'm going to pour everything I can so he will be the best one. I didn't know that they had a business or anything, and randomly he just kind of said, hey, my family wants to meet you. Do you want to come down to Louisiana? I come down, and it's like, hey, we have two businesses. So I was like, what? Hey. <laughs> and uh, Now you're stuck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A good stuck, though. Good stuck. I Placed. Think, <laughs> I, I think with uh, the team that we have down here and kind of just the environment, the business that they established, it really has allowed me to grow a lot as a young clinician, and I'm hoping that the growth keeps happening. So how many, because I'm just curious, how many patients do you see? Well, uh, it really varies, but I can tell you if you want a number. So I have to submit an evaluation every quarter, and in the last quarter it said that I had seen, I had 405 patient encounters in the past six months. Wow. And about 300 of those were independent patients that I saw on my own. That is, I didn't realize there was that much. How far are people coming to see y'all? Is it pretty regional? Is it all across the country? Are they international? Primarily regional. Yeah. yeah. Really? That many amputees regionally? Mm-hmm. Sure. Well, it's not all amputees. It's amputees and brace patients. Okay. Orthotics and prosthetics. Yeah. Wow. And Raul is a little bit exceptional in that I don't know that I've ever had him say... That you're giving me too much. He always wants more. He wants to be challenged. And, uh, of course, I like that, so I challenge him. There you go. Yeah, Look well, at you. Raul has exhibited the exact same work ethic as Steve has mm. in the office, and um, both of them are exceptional. It's because compliment, I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. Big shoes to fill. <laughs> so speaking of shoes, we got connected with you guys because we partnered with some Haitian soccer players. Mm-hmm. Tell us how you found out about that yeah. and the story about getting that team and hooking them up. Well, so Kim actually met uh, Dr. Sorrells, who's the founder of Operation Go Quickly. Uh, he came by our office, and it seemed random, but yeah. as you said, it's... Last summer, Yeah, nothing yeah he yet. just stopped by one day and said, here, here's my card and this is what I do. And out of the our, blue. Yeah, out of the blue. Huh. Well, out of the blue, right. but God ordained. And mm. um, I just quickly said, well, we love soccer. Our kids have always played soccer in Monroe. Coached and um, was on the board uh, at one point over in Monroe. And um, I said, my husband has a heart for amputees, so I'm sure we can hook up and I told him about our office in Monroe, and I think Dr. Sorrells left immediately 
my presence and drove straight to Monroe to see Steve. Right. <laughs> <laughs> he was excited. He, he seemed like he was. He, he's a very energetic gentleman. He's, he's amazing. I think he's um, upper 60s, hmm. but he goes and goes and goes. He does. His, I, I can't keep up with him. He's, he just... Yeah, amazing it, energy. I think it takes a very uh, special kind of person to do the work that he does. It's very uh, financially, I feel like it's very low rewarding, but emotionally and in the opportunities to give, very rewarding. And, hmm. you know, like he traveled from Louisiana back to Miami driving. And uh, I can't Oh, my gosh. That's that a drive. <laughs> driving? Yeah. yeah. And we were busy that whole wow. week. We were. Yeah. Oh man, uh, he, he absolutely is a person who loves others. He represents mm. Jesus' love to mm. those who are who are hurting. Uh, the the ministry go quickly. It's talking about. Are you are y'all familiar with the? You sent me something. I don't think I sent this. No, that's my fault. You did not. Yeah, tell the listeners though about what they do. So uh, you know when Jesus or Jesus did the parable, he was talking about. Uh, the dinner that was prepared and how there was a guest list of people that were probably the prestigious folks that were invited and they had excuses and didn't come. And then the master who had had uh, requested, who had put on the dinner, sent back out and said, hey, you know what, find me some people to come eat this good meal. And, uh, he's, and then he, they brought some and then he sent back out and he said, go quickly Bring in some more. Let's not let any of this go to waste. And uh, so that message is really the way Dr. Sorrell is with sharing initially the joy of living through soccer. But in the long run, he, he has shared Christ with many, many, many of these. Anyone who is receptive, he will share Christ with them. And so he's changing their eternity. And uh, yes. I have immense respect for him, someone who lives like that. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, it really is. It's awesome. Yeah, and so and then I didn't realize this till cuz I thought these these Haitians already had, you know, limbs, but y'all fitted them cuz they had they had nothing. They're playing soccer without limbs and then they get hooked up with y'all and then now they're able to have I guess a better quality of life now. And just going back Because quick, of your goodness. Yeah, with Simple Church, we partner with Haiti. It's one yes. of the poorest countries, yeah. if not the poorest in the Western Hemisphere. It's We sponsor children. We had a relationship with Haiti and have gone on trips. We were actually supposed to go on three different trips in the last two years that have all got canceled. I think, what? well, hold on. <laughs> Every mission trip we have tried to yes, go on since true. COVID but has been canceled. Haiti, they're like, okay, we're going to go. And then it was the political unrest. And then, hey, we're going to go. And then the, it was the hostages in October. Mm. And so we've been trying to go, and we do financially support we've sent things to haiti we work with haiti so haiti's near and dear to our heart and our people's heart but then specifically with the soccer team it's just such an incredible story we have a video on youtube so if you want to follow us on youtube go look up the simple church because it is unbelievable to think about people with one leg and crutches playing soccer and competing and playing at a high level and they are amazing doing flips yes they are in crutches bicycle kicks yeah oh it's just incredible i can't play with them and uh I used to play club soccer, but those guys are, they're very skilled. Uh, so for us, we, we love to do what we can to help, but he, his life is to help people. Mm. And uh, I believe that we are to do whatever we're called to do with joy and that we are to serve with joy. But the level he, he brings it to is amazing. So I'm proud to partner with him and to be frank, this whole thing has caused us to really get to know Justin, Robin, the staff at Simple Church, 
And that's a huge blessing because if we hadn't had this going on, I don't know that I ever would have really understood what Simple Church is all about, how Simple Church, everyone is to get out and minister where the people are, not to have people come to a building. And uh, I love that philosophy. And I think all churches should do that. And, mm-hmm. and uh, in fact, it's I'm, I'm on the board with my church. I'm very involved. I'm going to stay involved. But we're going to learn some things from the way Justin has taught and the way the people live. And uh, so it's good stuff. I'm thankful. Oh, that's awesome. We're excited to partner with you. We yeah. love what y'all are doing. And that's why we want to have you on today because the series we're doing and really what Simple Church has been about is trying to go and do good to solve problems yes. because we want to love God. We want to love people, but you do that by meeting needs and by loving your neighbor. And I think sometimes the church focuses on the first two and that third one kind of gets dropped. And we think, well, if we're singing songs and we're right with God vertically, then we're good. But it's the horizontal aspect of what are you doing for your neighbor? How are you treating people? That is worship. And that's where we talk about music and you talk about singing and the church overall, the big C church in the world kind of has this reputation of you come one hour a week, you sing some songs, you take communion, and then you can go and do whatever you want during the week. Absolutely. And it's the other 167 hours that we really care about and are trying to help people to do. And that's why for you guys as a business, it is so encouraging to us to see that you're living out your faith in a practical way. There's time sacrifice, there's financial sacrifice, there is effort and energy to use your business to bless others. And we believe that's a form of worship. And so we just want to say thank you. We want to share your story and think it's awesome. And I would love for other businesses to catch that vision, to get excited, to say, what could we do? Because if I'm a fabricator, I don't know what I could do to help somebody, but you'd be open to what God wants to lead you to. And that could help you to end up making legs or your kids one day being excited to go and find something else and be able to do that and help somebody. So that's just awesome. We appreciate that. One quick question I was thinking of. So when we talk about this, and I know you guys probably want to be modest and not, oh, look at me, great is bragging. But how much does it cost like for a leg for one of those Haitians? Because I'm guessing they didn't have insurance. (laughs) No, no insurance. (laughs) So a basic baloney prosthesis is, uh, well, the the lower end is going to be around 10,000 for when you bill insurance. Is that yeah. correct, baby? Yeah, it's close. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, imagine most of them don't have that. <laughs> no. <laughs> most Haitians not able to just scrounge up ten grand to get a leg. Right. So ten thousand dollars. Wow. So I had assigned this project to Raul and, and he he jumped in and he actually approached several of our corporations that manufacture components. And he got donations from yep. Oser, Autobach, and uh, Alps, right? And Alps, yeah. So yeah. I kind of reached out to all the guys. I kind of wrote up a letter and told, told Steve. I was like, hey, can you sign this for me real quick? <laughs> and he was <laughs> sure like, did. yeah, okay. <laughs> so but I, that's awesome. And one thing we have found that's so cool to us, too, is that generosity and giving is contagious. Yeah. When you can cast a vision and show that you're being responsible and where the money's going and what you're doing, people want to give. People want to get excited and have that feeling. Absolutely. So some companies partner with you. That's how you guys were able to raise the money and do that for the team? Well, they they contributed components, and then we contributed other components, and then we did all the custom work, and we provided the supplies to do the custom work. And uh, But, yes, it was a partnership. Yeah. And another thing, when you mentioned, I mean, we talked about Simple Church. I hit, My church is Gateway, and they housed the the amputees yeah and and a lot of folks got together to feed them i kim may know but there was so many people wanted help and then uh shreveport community church was was amazing evangel high school 
Benton High School. I, I could go on and on, and I'd hate to miss somebody. But sure. There was so many, because, you know, the church is not about one body. The church, the church right? is one body. We're all part of the same of team. Christ. We yes. are. Mm-hmm. And so there's no competition. It's, it's all about doing what you do and doing it the best you can to his glory, right? Absolutely. So, so uh, I love that, and I love that with, with the businesses that became involved, too. There's always going to be a need for uh, arm crutches, for shin guards, for balls. Those are things that cost money. They're not very expensive. But and it's not the most money. exciting thing, right? Nobody's no. like, I'm going to wake up one day and change the world with crutches. Yeah. But it <laughs> makes a difference. It's like something that is a practical need yes. in Jesus' well, name that we can do. Well, it actually changes the world for that one person. Yeah. And that's what we, to me, have to keep in focus. I was... There's a meme that was out on Facebook. Of course, Facebook is good and bad at times. But there's one specific meme that I saw about two and a half years ago. And I think about it every single day. And that's the simple fact that you can never look into the eyes of a person that God does not love. Hmm. And And we think about that all the time, even when, you know, even when you've got... People that are difficult to deal with. Yeah, and, we know um, a couple of those. <laughs> yeah, I have. Yeah, <laughs> but um, and then What'd we change. You married one? Uh, <laughs> she didn't say it. She might have thought it, but she didn't say it. <laughs> well, and we change. We do. That's one of the things that I love about what we do, and we literally have the opportunity to love people and to love God, share Jesus with them, and what we have always considered the day-to-day ministry that we have. Yeah. And that's ex- it, that's walking into our office every single day. That's answering the phone. That's giving a hug. That is giving a, a word of encouragement to the amputees that come in yeah. that, that go into deep despair and um, because of their situation. You know, some of them never really realize the the issues that could come out of not taking care of themselves as mm-hmm. far as allowing their diabetes to yeah. to get out of hand. And then a lot of them are, tra- are traumatic instances, whether it's motorcycle, car accidents, um, bad boy buggy accidents. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's been everything. Oh, yeah. We've seen it all. I bet. And just yeah. to be clear, just to make sure, everybody listening, you guys are a for-profit business. Yeah. You run yes. a business, but you are mi- ministry-minded. You are yes. looking yes. at it that way. Yes. And I think that is such a cool, refreshing way of Maybe you don't have to be a nonprofit. You don't have to go and do and travel and go to hey whatever. But when you, as a business owner, have the chance, you can help make a difference and do good for somebody else. And we would just love for more and more businesses. People listening is like, okay, how could we do this? What does this mean? So one example just came to my head is a guy named Paul Reeser had Sonics, and he would always donate Sonic coupons. That's just a simple thing that we would give mm-hmm. to teachers. We would give to students. I mean, it's just whatever you are and whatever you're doing in your field, you have a way to help somebody else and do good. Right. And you guys are doing that. You're a great example of that. We love that. Obviously, on a different level than most, but we would love just to hear more and more people's stories of what can I do in my business? How can I spend my time? What can I do to help people in Jesus' name? Yes. And you don't do it for the blessing that comes back, but it does come back. Right. The joy that those Haitian players found through our giving, I mean, they were, every one of them was crying when they were leaving. And, and How could you not? We yeah. were too. And, and then they sang that song, you know, God is so good. And that, mm-hmm. that definitely had us wiped out. You know, it was just amazing what that, that doing something just because Jesus loves somebody and you learn to love that person and then for them to reciprocate and be thankful 
There's, there's not much bigger joy that you're going to find in this world. And Justin told the story about them tripping and going to a hockey game, and playing <laughs> oh, on some ice. Wow. <laughs> there was some joy there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They they love that. So yeah. shout out to the Mudbucks, another business say. we know that are great. It's got Musket in them, are part of Simple Church. Oh, yeah. and, I mean, they go above and beyond and are willing to do anything for anybody. And he said y'all had a great time hanging out with them. Oh, and, a family environment and in in the the hockey stadium and and the the team, they were gracious courteous uh, it was it was a wonderful experience and i felt felt like they were they felt kindred and uh, they're athletes yeah oh, yeah and for them to come with an overtime win and then the celebration afterward was just it was out of this world it was very amazing so it's awesome mm-hmm. well we are about out of time you guys have been great thanks for coming let's just Thank do a so plug much. real quick tell us again how people can find out more what you want to direct them to we can put links in the show notes so people can find it and you just tell me what would somebody's wanting to do to get more involved to help you guys or what you're doing what would they do okay so uh on the for the haitians or for the other countries that we're trying to help with the uh, prosthetic. Do you have another one lined up? Do you have the next country in mind? Well, there's there's several more Haitian. We're trying to help the women. You, you know in third world countries how the women are treated so right. poorly. And uh, so right now, that's the focus Dr. Searle is bringing. There's 50 men's teams worldwide right now. And there's only six or eight women. We would love to see that number grow exponentially. Because he said there's potential to be hundreds of women's teams, and there's so much more need in these third world countries mm-hmm. for the women to have something to have pride in, to and to be respected and be uh, to be seen as doing something, something positive, no longer uh, like cattle or 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 a target for race. Yeah. Yes. So anyway, we 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 want to help with that, but here locally, we are hoping to establish. Uh, uh, a limb deficient soccer program here. I will not be the head of that, <laughs> but but I will help with it. And uh, we do have some volunteers. Things are coming together. Uh, uh, we've had quite a few actually. But if there is interest in that, um, you can reach out to my office, and uh, we'll help to to direct you. But yeah. uh, it's it's going to be a big undertaking. But initially, what we'd like to do is like quarterly. Uh, weekend conferences yeah, so that limb deficient folks can learn to play. And we know a couple people in Civil Church, Ray Rushing and Jesse yes. Embry and oh, Doug yes. Craig that Doug Craig, yeah. I know have done things for younger people and yes. help and Ray especially has just over the years been a mentor oh, to a lot of people that walk there. He's awesome. Yes. We're yeah. big fans of those guys. Oh yeah. Yes. But yeah, so if they want to do that, what's the best way to contact your office? Phone number, email, how would you want these people to reach out to you? Well, um, our phone number in the Shreveport office is 318-425-2400. Our Monroe office is 812-0119, brain freeze. And um, our email for both offices would be capital A-R-N-O-L-D-H-O-P-E. 2911 at protonmail.com and 2911 does stand for Jeremiah 29. Hey, (laughs) there you go. So if you're listening, if this is something exciting, you know somebody that would benefit from that, reach out to these guys. We'd love to get them connected with y'all. Tell them you heard them on the backstage podcast. Awesome. Yeah. And gokwickly.org. Yes. yes. Yep. And that's the work with Dr. Sora, right? Yes. His organization. Yep. And awesome. I think in the next couple of months, there's going to be a documentary that's going to come out, kind of outlining the story and what Shreveport community played. That's awesome. It. And it really yeah. talks about, like, why 
a leg is important for them. I think it'll be an awesome way for somebody to get some popcorn, get the family together, and kind of Absolutely. see like what our local community is. There a working is. name? Is there something they can look up for that yet? Uh, it's going to be called uh, Project Pr- The Pursuit of Hope. Pursuit of Hope. That's yes. good. Thank you, bro. Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much. Thanks for coming Thank you in. so much. Thanks for having us. Yes. Thank Absolutely. you very much. Yeah. It was fun. And thanks to yeah. Simple Church and everything that they did. Those guys just absolutely jumped in last week. Yep. And um, from tennis shoes <laughs> to buying the guys a, quote, pair of shoes. First time ever, right? First time ever. Mm-hmm. It was exciting. Sharing Jesus' love, no doubt. That's yeah. right. Through tennis shoes and some yep. hockey. Yes. <laughs> hockey and shoes. Thank y'all. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Scott, that was a great conversation. It really was. It was interesting. We appreciate them coming on. We've got the links in the show notes if you want to contact them, if you know somebody that would benefit, wants to volunteer, help out, doing good through legs. Here's my question. Yes. Think Saddam Hussein ever thought, you know what I'm going to cook in this oven? (laughs) Prosthetic lips. He cook it himself very often. He probably had a staff. Probably. You would think he would have a staff. You would think. I don't know. I can kind of see him milling about. But I just think, Scott, I'm going to Jesus juke you here. Oh. Working all things for good. Even a pizza oven. Even a Saddam Hussein's palace pizza oven. That's just crazy, man. They thought, well, might as well. And that's the moral of the story. And then I still, I wanted to ask, like I forgot to ask. Was was it it gas powered? There's so many other questions. Was it running on gas? Was it charcoal? So we went to New York a couple years ago, and we went to the place that was supposedly the original pizza oven in the city of New York. I can't remember the name of the restaurant right now. It'll come to me. But Frank's. Uh, that's right. That's not right. But that's how I picture it. Like a giant wood. Well, yeah, yeah. But see, some are wood burning, some are gas. Just curious. Yeah. I imagine his was probably traditional. I said probably. Probably. But you can probably check that out on Scott's Wood Burning Podcast. <laughs> yes. The spinoff. It's all about burning wood. Thanks for listening today. Thanks for downloading. Sorry, I went off the on a five-star review. That's all right. It's what the people like. Or not. We don't know. Because yeah, we don't know. Email because you don't talk. S-C-O-T-T at thesimplechurch.tv Email me. Even if it's just to say hello. We know you're out there, German listeners. Yeah. We're yes. still waiting for you. Where are you, Germany? Where are you? We have France, too. Dozens of We have German two people. Listeners. Two people in France. Regularly listen. That's right. Hopefully they'll listen to this. You know who I think it is? Who? Frenchie's parents. Good. Oh, wow. mm, yes. All right. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.